Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Acts chapter 22, verses one through 21. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the laws of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priests and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said to me, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles.
And it's my privilege to be able to bring the word to you this morning. We like to, as we say, one of our values here that often represents ourselves here in the, in the worship center is that we like to start, we like to stay with scripture. We like to start and stay with scripture. So that's how we are uh, moving forward. And uh, this passage that we are looking at is, is just ripe with great fruit for helping us to develop our stories. Um, each one of us has a story. Each one of us has a story. And those of us who are in Christ, we have a conversion in that story. We have a conversion in that story. So uh, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. Most of that, half, most of that was as a youth pastor. And oftentimes I got to hear from people say, well, Christians, got to hear from Christians. And maybe you're even saying that right now, underneath your breath or in your mind, you're saying this, I've heard often, it's like, I don't really have a story. I don't really have a testimony. Mine doesn't really count because I've, I've always believed. And we have put this, this sermon series together with you in mind, with you in mind. We wanna help you and I hope that today You'll be able to hear from God's word some avenues to helping you develop your story and to see it more clearly. Maybe, just maybe, God is developing your story uh, even now uh, through the preaching and teaching of his word. But you will also be able to hear from one of you who's going to share your story for all of us to listen to and be able to hear something and be able to be uh, realize that maybe you're not alone in where you stand in your story. We're all developing our stories uh, in real time. It's a dynamic process. It's not something that just happened 20 years ago, but it's continuing to develop. And I'll tell you what, for me, this has been a fantastic series already. Uh, It's helped me to re-reflect on my personal story and be able to see how I can help make it, by God's grace, make it more dynamic for him and, show, and showing him off more than talking always about my story. So I hope that you guys are able to position yourselves to listen well today and even take some pictures of the screen and be able to go home and evaluate your story and what God is doing through your story. I want to, uh, I also want to say this too. I think this is important for all of us all of us in the room, young and old, to be able to look at what God is doing in our lives and be able to write it down. And maybe even after that, record it on our phones, record it. Uh, Because this is a rich opportunity for people to be able to know you well someday when you die at your funeral. What a gift to give to those people that are left behind who are grieving your loss to be able to hear firsthand from you how you found great treasure in Jesus. So I hope, I hope that that would would add some twigs and some brush to your fire and have it smolder and have it catch a flame even more because God, God wants to do something great through the obedience of your life and making him shine all the more because he has a great plan. He has a great plan, not just for you, but for this world. 
So I want to tee you that up and let us, let us be thinking about that as we go forward. We want to see you share your story and see made much of God as you share your story. His story is in your story. Your story is in His story. And uh, we want to see Him given all the glory. He is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so patient with me, with you. And we want to see Him shine and receive all the glory. So we, this sermon today is about helping you to know how to share your story, how to develop your, your story, how to construct your story. And Paul is going to help us with this. As Joseph read for us this morning, he, Paul is in a situation here where he is, we didn't read the, the prior text, but as you read in chapter 21, you'll see that where Paul finds himself is he's been preaching in the temple in Jerusalem. He is in Jerusalem, and he's been teaching there, and the Jews are finding out that he is disrupting their whole view of, of scriptures, of, of the Old Testament, and he is sharing that the Messiah has come, that Jesus is here, and they are upset. They are angry. They are yelling. They are pushing and beating. They are beating Paul. They are trying, it says literally, they are trying to kill him. They are taking justice into their own hands and they are trying to kill him. And so he is getting bruised, he is getting beaten, and all of a sudden, because uh, Jerusalem is under Roman guard, all the, the Roman soldiers come and they come to try and create order, they try and rescue Paul, and they, 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 they learn like, what is going on with this guy? And the crowd is shouting over each other, shouting over each other, they're, they're Assailing, assailing Paul with all these accusations about what he's doing. It is an angry mob. It is out of control. And the lead man looks to Paul and he says, uh, do you speak Greek? And those of us who know Paul, he's, he's fluent in Greek. He's fluent in Aramaic, which is used commonly. And he's also, will learn, he's fluent in Hebrew. And he, they have a quick conversation and Paul eventually says, can I please address the crowd? And so the soldiers carry him up, not, not, not because maybe, maybe he's, he's weary and maybe because he's bruised and beaten, but they carry him up the stairs and he gets a chance to say, and he, he, call, he, he says this, he's going to say something, so the crowd quiets down and we get into our text now. That's what sets up what Paul is about to say. He is, he is in a very violent situation and a, a bloodthirsty crowd is calling for his life. Paul gets their attention, and he says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I'm about to make before you. That word defense, because he's defending himself, is apologia, apologia, which we get our word apologetics from. He is giving a defense. That's where he finds himself. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this type of situation when you're about to share your faith. Has anyone been in this situation? An anger mob trying to murder you? No, probably not. If you're like me, you're thinking about, I've got these friends, I've been praying for these friends, I hope someday I can share my faith with them. I'm really scared, I'm very timid, I don't wanna do this wrong, I wanna be able to represent Jesus right, and we just stay there kind of paralyzed as we analyze our situations. Paul has been living it large. He is going for broke. 
He is convinced Jesus is the way. He's convinced of it. And he addresses brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I'm about to make before you. And I'm gonna share a, a simple structure that he, I, I see that he follows here that we can glean from with each one of our stories. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, their first tongue, their language, they listened closer, they stepped closer. Paul was well, as we're gonna learn here, he was a well-educated man. They became even more quiet when they heard him speaking in their Hebrew language. And he says, and he said, verse 3, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus and Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul starts off, I was born and raised. I was born and raised. I was born and raised. That's something that you can start off with your stories following his example, I was born and raised. Now listen, he, he got all that in in one sentence. In that one sentence, we learned that he was born and raised in, in a Greek country, but he is a Jew. And very early on in his life, he was brought to this city, what he's talking about is Jerusalem. I was brought to this city to be educated underneath Gamaliel, who was a well-renowned historian, Pharisee, well-educated in the scriptures in the Old Testament. So you see, he was being trained from very early on, from his parents were both Jewish, even though he was, he was born in a country outside of Jerusalem, he was trained very early on in the Jewish ways. And, you'll, and we're not gonna get into it today, but in many other letters in the New Testament, he talks about how he was a Jew of all Jews and raised very, very early on to be a Pharisee of of Pharisees, he was scripted for this moment, okay? He was scripted for this moment to be the one who is persecuting Jesus and his followers. We'll see down here in the, in the, in the verses to follow. I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus and Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. He says so much in one sentence. So when we're doing the same thing, when we're following this example, and we're, uh, we don't need to go on and on and on about what our Apgar score was when we were born. We don't need to talk about our first grade teacher. We don't need to do all that. We just need to simply move forward and get maybe a connection that somebody wants to talk about. And if somebody stops you and says, hey, you were born in Sterling, I was too. You can talk about that, but just keep moving forward because there's good stuff yet to come. But start off with following, I was born and raised. We're all people. We were all born. We were all raised somewhere. Let's move forward. Paul was using it very intentional here in his address to these people. He moves forward. And the second, second uh, little principle that I find that Paul is doing here is he starts talking about his lifestyle and his purpose. His lifestyle and his purpose. We can follow suit as we're developing our stories. We follow suit and how we're developing our, our, our testimonies. He says in verse four, let me back up. Uh, after he says, I was educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Clearly, you're trying to kill me because you're so zealous about your faith. Verse 4, I persecuted this way that he is promoting. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to, to prison both men 
and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. They've seen me do it. They've watched me do it. They've watched me drag people in in chains, men and women both, who are following Jesus. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. This was my job description. This is what I was all about. This is what I found myself doing. I needed to keep things orderly and clean and I was persecuting them firsthand. This was my story. This was my lifestyle. This was what I was all about. And then what he's gonna begin sharing here is the account that's written for us in Acts chapter nine about how he came to know Jesus personally. So in verse six, he begins sharing about his conversion. Very unique to Paul. Very, very unique to Paul. Just like each one of our stories is very unique to each one of us but there's gonna be a common denominator in those of us who are Christians that we share together, and that is the point of Jesus, when we were stunned by grace. Paul says it this way, verse six, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, like I was telling you, as I was going to Damascus, about noon, what's happening at noon time? The sun is out. About noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, this was Paul's uh, Roman name, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? The Lord said to me, rise and go to Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Do You see what is happening here? This is very unique to Paul. Blinded by a light. Says for three days, he's blinded by a light and he's, he makes his way to Damascus. But Jesus is speaking directly to him from heaven. You have been persecuting me. As you've been persecuting these men and women, you've been persecuting me. And it was such a unique moment that changed his life, changed his career, changed how he went about looking at his day, changed all of his teaching, guest speaking opportunities, changed it all. That's what Jesus does. He changes everything. That's what happened for Paul. And it comes from a question like, why are you persecuting me? Why are you, why are you coming after me? Now for those of us in the room, your, 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 your point of meeting Jesus and your point of grace may look differently than that. It should. This was Paul's. But this is a point of conversion. And I see something that happens here that is interesting to me is that once he receives this voice, it's very clear something is changing. I can't see anymore. You can imagine losing your sight. You're dependent on those around you. You can't see. 
you're, you're rendered a bit helpless. He says, what should I do, Lord? That's one of his first questions to Jesus. What shall I do? Lord, what shall I do? I didn't ask that question the night of my conversion. Personally, I don't know if you asked that question. A lot of us don't think to ask that question. Thank God Jesus helps us later on. But what shall I do? Paul is rendering himself, I have experienced Jesus firsthand. I have been persecuting people, as we'll find out in just a moment here, persecuting them to the death and giving approval of the blood of Stephen, one of Jesus' followers. Giving approval. Well done, guys. That one's dead. Jesus chooses to save Paul. He doesn't just take him out. He doesn't just finish him with a heart attack and he dies and goes away. Jesus goes into the heart of one of the cruelest, meanest, most self-righteous, perfect people and you're going to be mine. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does with the person's story. Changes him. Changes him for his glory. He could have ended his life and we never would have heard of Paul again. But he chose to pull them closer. Closer and closer to grace. And Paul, as you read his letters on later on, he is a man who writes as if he's been stunned by grace. The fourth movement, I want to move forward quickly. The fourth movement here that we see is a commission. And again, this word, this phrase that, that Paul has asked Jesus in the middle of his conversion, what shall I do, Lord, finds itself here in the commission. Verse 12, follow with me in your Bibles. And one Ananias, who was a, a God-fearing Jewish man who had come to faith in Jesus, a devout man, according to law, well spoken of by the Jews who lived there in Damascus, came to him, came to me, and standing by me, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. It's a miracle. Something just happened right in front of me. I can see now. I can see who's talking to me. He said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, he's telling the whole angry mob this again. Remember, this is his audience. When I returned here to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste, Jesus saying to him, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Clearly. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. 
And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And then Jesus says to him again, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what happened. Through the rest of the New Testament, we get to see. Paul was obedient, and he took the gospel uh, to Greece, and it took the gospel to where we now have it around the world because of Paul's faithful obedience and doing what Jesus told him to do. This is a tremendous story that is recorded for us that we can glean from, that we can see how we can script, construct our stories similarly to the way Paul was sharing his defense of his story with an angry mob, with an angry mob, born and raised, Lifestyle and purpose, conversion, commission. But you, I want to look at this verse, this word that we see in verse 15. For you will be my witness, Ananias tells him. You will be my witness for, for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Last week, if you were not with us, please go back to last week and, and listen to the sermon and listen to the testimony shared there. They did share with us last week, Zach and, and Ross shared Acts 1.8 that I think is important for us to pay attention to again that Jesus gives us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That word witness is shared twice here in Acts 1.8 and also in our account here. Uh, martis is the word, the Greek word for that, where we get our word martyr from. It's a witness or a storyteller of what you have, you have just observed. Uh, when you're called into a courtroom as a witness, you are to give account about what you have observed. And that is what Paul is being shared with here is that you will be a witness to the ends of this earth about what you have witnessed, what you have observed. The last part of his commission comes in verse 21. He says, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And that happened. So what do we say to the Lord after conversion? What do we say? Thankfully, the Lord helps us with that as we come understanding more and more of the scriptures about what God has for each one of us followers of Jesus. And it says in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples, in Matthew chapter 28, this is the Great Commission. And Jesus took them. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and remember, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus will be with us. That is what we are to do. We are supposed to give testimony. We are supposed to go and make disciples. We are supposed to share the great hope that we have within us and being prepared any moment to be able to give an account for what God is doing in us. This commission is not only for the extroverts in the room with a speech and communication major and with the gift of evangelism. He is speaking to all of his followers to go and make disciples, to be prepared, to give the account that First Peter shared with us in chapter three that we have read earlier. Be prepared to give an account for what, the, what people are asking of you so that you're ready to make a defense 
for the hope that you have in Jesus. We have this great responsibility, this great opportunity to represent Jesus. And folks, it's not so much in what we say, it's how we say it. We, we point to like, you may be, I was at a block party last night, and I was at a block party 10 or 15 years ago, and somebody even asked me at a block party, Craig, we're sitting down next to each other, Craig, how did, you be, how did somebody become a pastor? How did that develop for you? I'm so surprised by this question, but so eager to answer it and just share. It's about Jesus. When I was passing around flyers for that neighborhood block party last week, and I got to meet a, uh, several neighbors, one of them, Janice, hope you're watching. And she asked, why, why would you ever become a pastor? It's simple, what? Jesus, Jesus saved my soul. I love him so much. He's my Lord, and I, I want to tell the world about him. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Your testimony can be that quick in two sentences, and it can develop into 30 minutes. It can develop into a career. God wants to use your story. What His story is in your story. Again, pointing it back to last week's helped me so much. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. I want to tell people at my night when I was having the four spiritual laws shared with me at age 18 years of age, right outside of Jim's wings, out in the parking lot, these two college guys are sharing the good news with me, and I'm, it's making sense. Step one, step two, step three, step four. I turn my back to them. And I see my friend run across the parking lot and jump up into a dumpster and throw up a 12-pack of beer. I didn't look at that night as, as I, that I was dead in my sin. Today, before you, I was dead in my sin at that moment. My testimony continues to unpack and unfoil and and, and be able to see the beauty of what God was doing in me. He saw that I was, I did not want to live. I was done living this way. I hated my life being on the top. I hated it. It was empty. It was hollow. And God's word has helped me to realize I was dead in my sins. I was totally disinterested in God. But then they shared with me the hope of salvation that it was Jesus who died, died for me died for my sins, died for you, died for the world. He had to die on that cross, taking my sin and my shame, that who would ever believe in him would have salvation, have eternal life forever with Jesus and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Only through Jesus, because he beat death on the third day, rising again. I wasn't able to say all that that night July 2nd, 1988. I wasn't able to say all that night, but God in his grace helped me to see just enough that I need, I, need, I need Jesus. He's what I've been looking for. He's, his love is what I've been looking for in the applause of people and trying to please people. It was him that I was looking for this whole time. It was him who can only forgive all of this sin in my life. God is working through our stories. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to go back to the Word. Go back to a P 
piece of paper and a pencil. Go back to your phone and write some notes and record yourself and be able to say, this is what God is doing in me. It continues to develop, folks. It continues to, to deepen. The color should become more and more vivid as you walk closer and closer with him. It's a wonderful story to be able to share your story with people. It's a wonderful opportunity to give him the glory and point to him. Why should someone let you in the God's holy and perfect heaven? Just point. I don't have the words. I'm pointing to Jesus. It's because of him. It's not because of reps here or reps there. It, it's, it's because of him and what he's done for us. That changes you. Change Paul. And now I want to get to our main event. And I want to invite my friend, Ms. Jackie Jones, to please come up. Please give her a round of applause to welcome her up here. She is going to share with us her story in Christ and how it's gone about. Have a seat there. She's mic'd up. She's ready to go. Um, Jackie, thanks Craig. for being willing to share your story with us. And uh, I hope that you're encouraged uh, and informed about another story to hear uh, in Christ. And so, so glad that you guys are here this morning to hear it. And at home on the live stream as well. So, uh, Jackie, looks like you were born. <laughs> looks like you were raised. Yeah. Tell us about being born and raised. Uh, I was born here in Fort Collins, raised in Fort Collins, um, in a Christian, loving, supportive home, and uh, just was, was always involved in church, and went to church. I became a Christian when I was five, in Sunday school at Bethel Baptist Church, and <laughs> got uh, baptized shortly after, and um, just, I mean, was always, was always with God. God was with me, like mm -hmm. it wasn't a foreign, um, he wasn't a foreign concept or, or something new as far as back as I can remember, yeah. you know. Um, I was raised that way by my family. Right, you shared with me this week about how you were raised by your mother and your father who loved you well. Mm -hmm. They were both Jesus followers, mm -hmm. Christians, committed to church and helped you with all that. So you grew and you developed and you became a teenager. <laughs> That's you became, a, you became a young woman. Tell us about this period in your life. Um, became a teenager and uh, started um, gradually just living life for myself and over time not, not um, seeking God and, and really anything. Um, and just continued that way, junior high and high school, and eventually um, got involved in uh, partying and drinking that eventually led to some um, drug use. And uh, after after high school, met and married a man that was involved in the same lifestyle, and uh, we got married, moved to Nevada, and um, 
that lifestyle continued um, more and more, uh, more and more involved in drugs. Um, he became extremely abusive in every way possible and uh, also started dealing drugs and um, we were just in, in a life that uh, now I look back and think it's, you know, <laughs> feels like it's some, someone else almost, you know, and um, witnessed a double murder, um, things that you just would never imagine. And um, just reached a point where I could no longer deny, you know, God's tugging at me. Just tugging at me. So you started feeling this, this tension and you shared with me that you uh, found yourself, you, you drove out in the desert of Nevada and, and uh, something happened for you. Um, it did. I was um, just beyond myself, beyond uh, everything, and was so uh, lost and broken, felt just empty and knew, knew that I was in a life that I should not be in. It just was undeniable. And um, I went for a drive by myself and uh, ended up on a back dirt road and uh, got out of my car and <laughs> had my own Psalm 51 moment, just out loud, uh, crying, uh, begging for forgiveness and for mercy and for him to see me and meet me because I just had nothing, nothing left, nothing. Um, and it was, like I said earlier, I, you know, I always, always knew God, always knew God loved me, all of that, but it, until that point was not personal. Um, and he, <laughs> his presence was so powerful and it was, it was literally as if he was sitting next to me on the hood of my car. It could not have been any more real. And in that moment, I knew that he wanted a personal relationship with me, I had heard that, but just that, you know, me, individually, he, he wanted, and, and died for me, and shed for his blood for me. <laughs> so, it just was amazing, and um, I walked away from that life that day, yeah. that day. Yeah. They're tracking with you. I'm, I'm, you said you had a Psalm 51 moment. I just <laughs> turned there and listened to this. This is what she means when she says a Psalm 51 moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. You were in need of some mercy at that moment, weren't you? 
According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And it goes on and on. Um, this is your moment. Uh, this is your being stunned by grace. This Absolutely. is uh, Paul's was being blinded for three days and, and Jesus speaking to him directly. And uh, for you, this is a moment that, that changed your life. And, it did. Uh, so what happened from this moment? Uh, what, for, help us understand, like, what, well, what's that look like, you know? Like, and, and then you never struggled again, and you never had car failure, and you never, um, a, a check was always provided for you to tithe, and it was easy. So what, what did it look like for you? What are your next steps? How did you move forward? What, what now, Lord? Well, um, just to have utter reliance on him, you know, just, um, and I, I still falter, I still get afraid, I still, you know, that kind of thing, but I, I know, I know that he is there for me. Mm-hmm for me, like he is for all of us, but you know, again, that personal relationship, and no, life <laughs> has not been perfect since that moment, you know? I mean, it still gets hard and messy, and you know, I mean, my husband and I, we, we had a premature baby, and he only lived three weeks, and my dad, you know, more recently um, struggled with dementia and he passed away in 2019 and it's hard, it's hard. Um, All of it is hard, but Jesus' promise of always being there and um, I know Jeremiah 29.11 is, you know, a lot of people know that verse, um, but again, when you make it personal, you know, he's. Um, he has a plan for our lives, a plan to prosper, a plan for your future. You know, just knowing that in all things is, you can rest in that, I can rest in that. You can. Amen. Thank you so much for being willing to share with us. And um, I know you shared with me earlier this week that you're available in case and if anyone would like to visit with you more today, uh, schedule an appointment this week or weeks to come, you're happy to do that. Absolutely. I'm happy to do that. Um, I want to pray for her. And uh, before I do, can we just say thank you to Jackie sharing her story with us? you and I stand and I want to pray for you. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the testimony, uh, the witness, uh, the story being shared today from Jackie as she is uh, so carefully and prayerfully put together before us uh, in a a digestible moment for all of us to come together and, and, and glean from and witness. And I just pray that, God, that you would use this, uh, Use this mightily, not just in, I know you're doing it in Jackie's life. I know you're doing it in my life. I pray that it would catch like wildfire uh, throughout each one of the hearts in this room and those at home. 
God, you would be glorified. You'd be made much of because of we've been stunned by grace and we can't do anything but to point to you and give you the glory and say thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our Lord. You, you saved us first and then you became our Lord and it's such a, a delight to walk in obedience with you. Uh, thank you for how you are so very patient with us. So, God, do a great work in our church. Uh, thank you for jacking her obedience to you today. Uh, bless her. Uh, give her favor, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.